Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back to Better Living. I'm your host, Nick Carissimi. Today, we are talking about an organization called Stronger Than Espresso. In studio with me, their founder and president, Dr. Brooke Jones. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. We're already hitting it off. I, I just I stopped you mid-sentence and said, we're just going to turn on the mics and get this going. Talk to me about this organization. What does Stronger Than Espresso do? Who are you guys? Well, Stronger Than Espresso is dedicated at, to empowering survivors of domestic violence. Um, we focus on healing after violence has occurred. We We work with organizations that do crisis and transitional care, but really our passion is to help people who've been abused at some point in the past and help them walk in freedom after that. I don't know if you know, Nick, but what happens is, is when someone's been abused at any point in their life, it leaves them with low self-esteem, with feelings of shame and worthlessness, and it's hard for them to often go on even decades later. It hurts their relationships. It hurts their parenting skills. It really hurts them in a way to really engage in life. And so our focus is to help them heal and connect that, those broken pieces so that they can really begin to live life with purpose and passion. Do most of the people that use your services, are they healing from a single one-off experience or habitual abuse? Is there really any difference? You know, I think that's such a great question because there are people that can have a very uh, traumatic domestic violence situation, and it's their only situation, and it still can leave them feeling uh, with all of those different broken pieces. However, what we see more common is individuals that were abused as children. They had teen dating Uh, violence in their relationships, there might have been assaults that happened, then they became adults and they fell into abusive relationships because they really didn't have a full understanding of their own value and also the signs and symptoms of a domestic violence relationship. Do they think that this is normal behavior? Do they seek it out because deep down they think that's what they deserve? What factors leads to a person finding these situations over and over again? Absolutely. We get that question a I think it's lot. a really common question because when it you're not is. in that circumstance, mm-hmm. you think that dealing with it is easy. You yeah. think that it's very obvious, the solutions to all these problems. The more you learn about it, that's not the case at all. That's right. Um, whether I'm speaking for participants in our classes or even my own story, because there's abuse throughout my entire life story. But what happens is abusive people do not appear to be abusive at the beginning. What we find is extremely common for abusive people, people with narcissistic behaviors. They are very charming. They're the perfect catch. And you, as well as all of those people around you, are saying, wow, Brooke, this is the time when you've really found love and this looks like a great relationship. 
What happens is over time, the abusive characteristics begin to show, but they're usually very mild at first. Abuse is not about anger or other things or other stressors. Abuse is about power and control. If I want to abuse someone, I will do things to gain uh, them to do what I want, power and control, through fear, force, or manipulation. And so bringing that back to the relationships, if you and I are in a relationship together, you won't see my abusive characteristics until we're far along into our relationship. There's time that's been vested. There's a history that we've developed. There is a social network that we've created together. And so for me now to go out and say there's abuse in this relationship becomes much more difficult. Abusive people wait until they have somebody typically isolated and dependent in some sort of way, whether that's financial or emotional. Mm -hmm. There's different ways. And once those things are set, that's when the abusive characteristics start happening. And that's what happens to people is we just didn't know. So it's not that we try to get ourselves into these situations, but we just don't know. And then what happens is if you've been in an abusive relationship, you then believe you don't have value. So you are more likely to maybe stay in the next one, hoping it can be better. So it's definitely a pattern that just continues to worsen. How do the women that use your services find you guys? How do they come into Stronger Than Espresso? Yeah, that's been great. So we started this organization in 2013, and we started it because I wrote the curriculum myself. I was a survivor, and nothing like our program existed at that time. And so I got four women, and we started our first class. So it's been an organic growth, I would say, since 2013. A friend tells a friend tells a friend. That's how it really got started. The classes kept growing. Now that we've had a little more time and people have come to be aware of our services, we have relationships with uh, organizations that do crisis care, organizations that do transitional care. We also have relationships with different churches or other uh, organizations, I say, or community specialty groups. And they know about our services. So we'll get referrals typically from all different kinds of places. Someone who's in crisis isn't going to be ready for what we do because they've got to get some foundational pieces set. They've got their safety and some basic needs. And But what happens is at some point, whether it's a year, two, 10, or 25 years later, People are ready to begin to peel those layers back and to heal from that violence. They have escaped the danger, and now they are learning how to live their new life. Right. This is where you guys step in. Yes. We're really after aftercare, sort of in that beyond place. People will often have sought counseling. They've worked with mental health professionals. We do a lot of liaison with other mental health professionals. We do um, a lot of referrals back and forth through different organizations and church groups. Some of the larger churches in the Dallas area are beginning to pick up this program as Mm. a uh, life recovery ministry or an offering, not just to the community, but to, or to their congregation, but that they can offer it to the community in general, because there's people out there that are hurting after violence and abuse, and they may not have the resources to seek you know, individual care, counseling, and this is an accessible and affordable solution for them. 
Dr. Brooke Jones is the founder and president of Stronger Than Espresso. You can find them online at StrongerThanEspresso.com. Let's talk more about the origins of this group. You mentioned that it started organically with four people. How did those first four people come into the fold? Where did the idea for this organization come from? Well, I have to say that it came uh, really out of a God whisper, uh, uh, just a passion. And this was in 2006 for me. Mm. I heard the word stronger than espresso. It, it, I was going to say, <laughs> we were going to have to get to yeah. that at some right. point. A yeah. lot of times <laughs> groups have a name and you know, like bang, exactly what it is that they do. This could be a few things. It's a yeah. very unique name. Yes. Why is it called this? So when I first heard the name in 2006, honestly, Nick, I didn't know what it meant. I was like, okay, that's interesting. I love coffee, but what does that mean to me? And how can my life story and my testimony be a part of this passion? And then I began to write my story. And then I began to write more and realize it really wasn't about me, but it was a bigger idea that had to deal with the healing power of an individual when they were brought into groups with one another. And there's something really powerful about that process. And my background is education. So for me to develop a curriculum was really in line with my skill set. Do you have a doctorate yeah. in education? I have a master's in education. And then my doctorate came later and it's in theology. Interesting. So, uh -huh. right. so really that whole spiritual piece of someone's healing as well as the emotional and and, uh, and the educational uh, yeah, background the educational as piece. well. Yeah, so I continued to write the curriculum. And I remember in 2012, I was knocking on doors and I was thinking, hey, I've got this program. Will someone let me have a class here? And honestly, people really thought I was crazy. They just were like, who are you? Do you have any experience? You know, and I was like, well, I'm a survivor, right? So I had a, a huge story of uh, domestic violence, teen dating and violence, uh, battery, criminal battery, stalking, aggravated stalking. I mean, all of the worst things that could happen to a person I went through. But that was that was not the worst part, you know, of, of it is what if I didn't do anything next with my life? What if they left me broken and I couldn't move on? So Stronger became a passion to really help not only myself, but other women. Is that why <laughs> you started this in 2006? What happened in 2006 that made you decide what I need to do is help others to help heal myself? Well, like I said, it was really just an inspirational moment. It was and it was a God whisper. I, I, I don't know how else to explain it. Um, but I had come out of a domestic violence, very serious situation, and I was finally free a year prior to that. And it took a year before I could work again, really even have a normal life again because of I was so fractured from the two years of trying to get away from that relationship. Mm. So it was a lot of, of difficulty there. But over time, as I built the program and those four women came, the four women were just women I knew, right? In 2013, I thought, we've got a room. Somebody said we could do it. So I asked them to come and they came and we had this big pink book. And it was the workbook. We still use the big pink book today, surprisingly, you know, it's just such a anointed kind of a kind of a process. And so they came and healing happened. And what I noticed is the more groups that we did, the more that people wanted to come back into the fold and be trained to be a facilitator. Mm. So it sort of began this multiplication process. And at the time, even when I started, I really didn't realize the impact of Stronger Than Espresso, the name, right? So we started with the name. And what I realized was that 
If you look at the life cycle of a coffee bean, when you take it off the tree, it's just at the beginning of its process, right? It goes through some, it's either washed, it's dried, it's a process has to happen. Then after that, it's sent to another place and it is roasted. And in that journey, it's set through fire, right? So it's not an easy journey, but the bean has to be roasted. And then when it's roasted, it still has to go through the process where it's completely broken down, whether it's ground, pulverized, completely shattered into many pieces. But only then is when it can be brewed to perfection. And so that is what it feels like to be a survivor of abuse and violence. You feel like you've gone through all those processes, but guess what? Even in those million different pieces, this is the time when you can be brewed to perfection. And so the name itself has grown in my own understanding over all of the years that I've been, you know, uh, leading classes. And now I teach people to run the courses as certified facilitators. As I understand it, the organization has two arms, let's say, mm -hmm. the education side and also art healing. Yes, yes. With, it, with, is that a good way to describe how this group operates? I've, yes. Um, so Stronger Women is the, the overarching name of the curriculum, which is a small uh, support groups for the really healing groups for survivors. We have a full leader training or facilitator training. And once trained, people can lead those groups. It was about a year and a half ago that after I've worked now with survivors from all around the world, we've done work here in Dallas, but we've done work in Kenya, in India. And so when you work with so many different people, there are so many barriers. There's language barriers. There's understanding. There's economic, um, religious. I mean, there's just all kinds of barriers. But the pain and the healing is the same. It, because it's a human component. Mm. And so what I started realizing is that there are some times when there are no words to express what you feel. Because there is not one word that can express the complexity of emotions that someone feels after being really destroyed emotionally and even physically by another human being. So I began to learn more about art and art healing and how could we add that to the program and the curriculum, which was a much more cerebral kind of a way, how can we add that so that people could get a different uh, way of healing and those that maybe felt overwhelmed by the cerebral portion um, could actually find healing in a, in a more direct route? So that's what I set about doing. So I set about adding different components of art healing to the Stronger Women program. But that's not where we stopped because people started being interested in us doing just art healing. So we started doing just art healing. And as a matter of fact, we got a, a small grant uh, to do art healing. So the first two quarters of 2019, which we just finished doing it, we were able to conduct 27 art healing workshops. We reached 368 people and who had never done art before. And what we did, instead of us trying to get people to come to us, I wanted to serve the other organizations that do work in this arena, other social agencies that we know how hard they work because we work the same way. Mm. So I started calling domestic violence shelters, prison reentry, um, substance abuse, just any trafficking, anyone I, that I knew. And I said, can we come and do an art workshop for your staff or for your clients? Because the staff has to deal with a lot of uh, 
compassion, vicarious trauma. Hard work. It's hard work and the pays, you know, pretty, pretty low, you know, but we do it because we're passionate about watching people heal. So this year for me as personally, um, I really was refreshed to be able to go out to all of these different organizations with a small team of my own. We did these workshops and we got to see not only their clients refreshed, but also the staff find new ways of healing. So that's the piece of art healing. It, it It's interesting how it wasn't really a thing until we started rolling it out. And what we try to do is find uh, opportunities in the marketplace that aren't being filled. And we want to replicate our program so that they're really affordable and we can try to reach as many people as we can. And so Stronger Women now has an art component, but the art healing piece is really standing on its own now. So if an organization says, hey, we have a staff that needs to refresh or we've got clients that could use a two-hour art healing workshop, we would be happy to partner with them and be able to provide that um, because trauma requires healing and so many different levels mm-hmm. that understanding it um, is the first step to really letting people release those uh, trauma and, and tensions that they have. What kind mm-hmm. of art are you producing in the workshops? Um, there are... Are you painting? Is it sculpture? It it depends on the workshop. Okay. So we probably have, um, you know, I, I hate to say a thousand different ways that we could do it, but we really, we really do have many different ways. The first few questions I ask are, who who is our audience? What what do we have access to? If we have table and chairs, that's going to really tell me a lot. If we only have access to chairs. And then I, it's a different type of art. We bring all the materials, but we've done uh, painting. We've done uh, where they build boxes. They can, you know, put things inside. We've done drawing. We've done coloring. We've done, uh, it's hard to even, uh, there's no limit. It really depends on, we always start with the end in mind. And I think that's sort of the educator part of me. Explain that. What do you mean by that? Well, I think that. You could bring a lot of like of tools and material, and maybe you've got this really great pieces of something, right? But if the people on the other side aren't interested or aren't going to be able to process what it is you've brought, then it's like you're bringing oranges when they need apples, right? And and so what I try to try to do is we have all these wonderful tools, but really work in partnership with whoever we're hosting with to say, what is it that your audience needs? What is it that you feel that they'll be ready for? What are you trying to achieve in terms of their healing and their growth? Once I know the questions to that, then I can say, oh, this workshop will be perfect. We have one, in fact, that it's called putting the pieces back together, where an individual will look at a, a, a body template. Um, it's, you know, on a piece of eight and a half by 11 paper, and it shows a, a body, but it's in different pieces, many different pieces and they're asked to identify an emotion that they that they feel in different parts of their body and then color and I, I don't mean color in the child kind of a way but bring bring color or texture to that piece of your body so people will you know where they are today so people will write things maybe in their mind of sadness they'll write on their wrist you know uh, broken hearts will be wounded a lot of different things and then they'll color them and i've never seen anything more beautiful 
than someone bringing representation. Then we'll allow them plenty of time for that. Then we give them a second, a second template. It's exactly the same. That's fresh. And we say, hey, Nick, now it's time to think about you wholly put together. If you were to have all the healing and all of your different pieces of you holistic and together, what would that look like? And then they go through that process. And then they're able to hold them up together, right, and look at themselves in sort of a fractured mindset where they are today versus where they would like to be. And then they can take that with them. And that is an opportunity for them to see, not only think it, they feel it, but they get to recognize. And art in and of itself has healing abilities just by the way that the brain works. So when you're doing repetitive motion, um, your, your brain begins to heal. And if you've had a trauma and it feels it has no boundaries. But what happens is, is when you put the experience on a piece of paper, your left hemisphere comes online and it looks at this point in time. But your right hemisphere is doing the creating and it's building something. And what happens is whatever that traumatic experience or feeling that they're uh, experiencing in the process of that creation, it now has a boundary. They can look at that and say, this is something that happened. But right now in this moment in this chair, I'm safe. And it begins to rewire the way that the brain looks at these difficult experiences instead of them feeling overwhelmed. They have a little bit more control and power that's brought back. Again, these are really small um, ways that, that you can bring healing to a person. And what we try to do is train other people, whether they're mental health professionals or individuals, to say, hey, with your clients, you can just sit down with them and give them some crayons and let them do this. This is simple things we can do, even as parents, we can do with our children. Um, we can do um, in different parts of our life. Was the education and training of others always a part of this organization when you started Stronger Than Espresso? Did you know that I want to develop something and train as many people on how to use this and apply this for as many people as possible, or did that come later? Um, you know, I, I think when I first started this, I didn't see that full vision, but but as soon as I taught the classes and I taught them again and I taught them again and I taught them again, there was one season in 2014, I was teaching five stronger women classes myself at one time. And I thought, okay, this is not going to get any bigger than me because that's all I you can only do. Have so much time that's today. all I can do. And so my, my heart, and again, it goes back to my my, I, I say training, but it, my heart and passion is to train people. Like I love teaching people. And so for me, it was a really easy transition to begin to look at growing the small group program. Then the art is really sort of developed the same way. And then I would say this year in particular, my focus is to really build either products or programs or training and workshop that can be replicated easily to train other people to train. Um, whether that's, we just did a workshop last week called best practices responding to domestic violence and we built a toolkit. And so it's a great workshop that we can bring people wherever they're from, whether it's a workplace, a church, a community organization, or even a social agency, they can come and they can get the toolkit to take with them, 
plus an interactive workshop. So I think that now as an organization, our transition is to say, we may be small, but how we can reach and multiply is by training the trainers. Another new thing that you guys started working on last year is called Stronger Teens. You mentioned off mic that this was something that, again, happened organically, but that it has been requested of you and the organization quite a bit. What's going on with that? So Stronger Teens, over the the first five years that, that we did our work, the biggest question that we got from, let's say, a mom who went through our program, they would say to us, thank you for helping me. Now, what do you have from my teenage daughter? And what we started hearing from them was that their teenage daughters were already in an abusive relationship. And I kept hearing this over and over. And I, at first I thought, well, somebody else is addressing this issue. And, and certainly it can't be that bad. But as the requests kept coming in, we started to look at the issue. And there are people doing it. But what we realized is that there's not enough resources for teens and their parents, for the schools. So there was a way for us to help. So what we decided is we decided to create a workshop. So we did an interactive workshop. We use like a twister game and we do these questions and it's really a lot of fun. And we didn't know if it would work, but we rolled it out and it worked great. And then it became a requested workshop. So what's happened is we started to do these workshops. Well, that was last year. This year, the same people who requested us to do the workshops have invited us back once again. Mm. But now they're bringing four times as many kids. So last year we did one, there was 25 girls, and they asked me last year, they said, well, how many kids um, would you, can you take? I said, as many as you can bring, but bring the boys too. Because healthy relationship workshops isn't about teaching girls, this is about teaching boys and girls how to have a healthy relationship. So a few weeks ago, we did the same, uh, for the same group, they brought 90 kids. Wow. Yeah. So we, so it's so it's it's telling me, okay, this is a thing. And again, there is we were putting together a, again a train the trainer. This is a product that we can people can purchase. You know, again, we're trying to figure out the whole marketing pieces of it because we've done the same workshop in the school districts. Uh, it's appropriate for school districts. It's appropriate for middle school and high school kids. And so what we want to do is develop these uh, pieces, train others so that the word can get out. Because at the end of the day, teaching a teen about a healthy relationship could save them decades of difficulty and pain. Do the kids understand this stuff? Oh, yeah. Or is it one of those things where it takes them a little while to recognize patterns or understand maybe whether or not something is good or bad? Do they automatically see it? They just need confirmation Well, I think they do truly know. And I think there's different reasons for that. I think many of them have seen their mom or their dad going through an abusive or really dysfunctional relationship. They may have been wounded as parents broke up because abuse was in there. There's a lot of kids. They're pretty street smart. Many of them have had relationships in the past that had abusive characteristics. Um, What I think the teens really struggle with, as all teens have over time, um, is peer pressure. You know, and so the peer pressure itself isn't something new, but I think the digital abuse is something that we as teens did not have to deal with. And these folks have to deal with it in a pretty significant way. And I do think that there's an opportunity for if it's if it's us to develop more or to really look at resources 
on how to help kids understand digital abuse for themselves and for their friends. I think that's a real key area. Mm -hmm. New territory. <laughs> yes, I think so. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's talk about we're uh, we're already up against the clock. Talk to me about volunteer opportunities real quick. Yes, we love our volunteers. Um, volunteers can come in a variety of ways. If someone feels that they would like to be trained for a small group, we have training, and that is in a volunteer program. We also have four main events during the year. These are fundraising events, a golf tournament, sip and shop, women's luncheon, and then we also, in the fall, we have our gala coming up. That's our big gala, but we do need volunteers for those events. The last thing, too, is if you are a volunteer with a specialty, maybe you um, are an administrative specialty, you've got a lawyer, you're an accountant, you've got some... Mm -hmm business skills and you want to serve on our advisory council, our board, or even just help us in different ways, we would love to connect with you um, because we're always needing uh, wise advice and wisdom as we navigate as a nonprofit. Yeah. The event you just mentioned, the fourth annual Freedom Gala or gala. gala. I love yeah. every time I have a guest that has them coming up, I always like to go back and forth I because I never gala. feel like I'm saying it right. You I say, say gala, gala, I say gala. Yes. It doesn't matter because it's <laughs> happening September 28th at 6.30 p.m. at the Marriott Courtyard in Allen. Yes. More details on that at strongerthanespresso.com. It was great speaking with you. Good luck with the event. Thank you for stopping by. I'd love to have you back again. Dr. Brooke Jones is the founder and president of Stronger Than Espresso. One more time, their website, strongerthanespresso.com. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.